And that's how quick our world is moving, isn't it? I don't know if you remember when you first came across your first mobile, first computer in our classroom. And uh, I don't know the exact dates, but my guess is the, is the early 80s. And uh, this computer was in our classroom. It was sacred. It was the only computer in the school. And uh, we couldn't wait to get on. And all you could do is plus, minus, multiplication, all that kind of stuff. But uh, how far has it come? And we asked the question, where is it going? Where is technology taking us? How incredible it is what uh, it's done for our world, what it's doing for you and I. I saw this commercial, uh, I think just last night, watching a bit of the football, and uh, I saw this commercial on TV with this grandfather who's connecting with his grandchild. Anyone seen that commercial? Connecting with his grandchild, I think from one side of the world to the other. And so what an incredible world we live in now. Uh, We're unlike a, a few years ago, just a few years ago. And so you see where it started and you see where it's going to take us. Only God really knows, because I think he's got a big part to play in this. Let me explain, because last week, part two um, uh, of last week we started, uh, that we celebrated the wonder of technology. And uh, maybe some churches would rather start with the whole warning of it all. But last week, we, we celebrated the wonder of it all. And it really is a wonderful thing. For some of you here who so are sitting here today, you would not be able to go to work anymore without these tools of technology, right? Some of you rely day in, day out with technology. I know I certainly do. And some of you actually sleep with it. And uh, that could be a little dangerous as well. So we celebrated, we celebrated the wonder of technology. That's where we started, but we also entered the realm of warning. We brought about a warning in regards to this. And uh, technology, of course, as we know, is changing our world. It's changing our lives in incredible ways for, for better and for worse. It's certainly making us smarter. It's making us more connected, as I've already mentioned, and more importantly, It's a reflection of the image of God in our lives. Let me just explain before you fold your arms just for a moment. It's a reflection of the image of God in our lives. You see, the word technology is made up of two Greek words, tectone and logos. We talked about this. This is just a quick reminder of last week. Tectone, which means craftsman, and logos, which means the word. John chapter 1 verse 1 is a reflection of Genesis chapter 1 verse 1. In the beginning, God. Genesis chapter 1 verse 1. In the beginning, God. If anyone asks you where God comes from, that's all I say. Genesis chapter 1, that's all I know. That in the beginning, God. God created the heavens and the world. God was a tectone. John chapter 1 verse 1 is a reflection of Genesis chapter 1 verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In the beginning was the Word, was Logos. And so this is a very spiritual thing. You see, it starts with an idea, and it becomes a reality, and that's where Logos comes into it. Are we keeping up this morning? Is this okay? Okay, Tectone and Logos. You see, Steve Jobs... I'm reading his book at the moment, fascinating character. Watched the movie the other night, didn't we? Fascinating. Called Jobs, I think it was simply called. It's about his life story. Um, uh, what's the other guy at Microsoft? Gates. Bill Gates. 
In fact, his wife, Melinda, is going to be interviewed at this year's Global Leadership Summit, which we host here October 21-22. That will be something not to miss. Doing incredible things around the world, by the way, those two. Um, what do you call it? Um, philanthropy. Yeah, the one. Philanthropy. Philanthropy. Philanthropists. Anyway, um, so, so these guys, Steve Jobs, um, Bill Gates, Mark Zuckerberg, go with that. They start with this idea, and all of a sudden this idea, this idea for Steve Jobs started in the garage. It started in a garage, and it turned into something incredible because he had a dream to take an idea and turn it into reality. Tectone, Logos, Craftsman, The Word. And I believe God wants to use technology for good. And we talked about this last week, that technology is not evil. What technology is doing to you and I and to this world is this, that it's actually revealing and amplifying what's already in our lives. Technology itself is not evil. It's an incredible tool, incredible tool. And you and I could exchange stories all morning about the how incredible it is across the world in connecting and communicating and the wonder of it all. And the big idea of this series, we're only doing two weeks because I realise not everyone's in social media. And by the way, it's not just about social media if you haven't already picked up. We're talking about technology. And the big idea is this, that technology makes a wonderful servant but a terrible master. Some of you may be connected with those terrible stories in some way or another. Unfortunately, it's taken our lives down a path that we never either thought, dreamt, or imagined. It's a wonderful servant, but a terrible master. And we talked about that a little bit last week in the five warnings in regards to that. We celebrated the wonder of it all. And so this morning, I want to go a little deeper if I could, because I've been doing some saturated reflection on this psalm, Psalm chapter 16 is our text this morning. Feel free, by the way, if you do have your Bibles, and some do this morning, that's wonderful. If you don't, that's okay. You don't have to have brought it. That's okay. We have got it on the screen for you. We're going to put it on the screen for you. And so some of us have smartphones, and feel free to take your smartphones out and open to Uversion. By the way, Uversion is one of the most popular apps in the world, and it's the Bible. Over 100 million downloads of this app called Uversion. I certainly, that's how I read my Bible these days. I open every morning, my 20 minutes in the chair. And you can be creative to keep it fresh. I simply press play. I don't know if you noticed that at the bottom of the app, I just press play and it reads it through for me. And it highlights things that I've never, never come across before. Anyway, that's me, completely up to you. This morning, text, that was a freebie. Text this morning is Psalm chapter 16. We're dealing with the term FOMO. FOMO, F-O-M-O, and it's the fear of missing out. It's the fear of missing out. And I think this is a big deal. It's, it's such a big deal that I feel this is one of the most important messages in my near 20 years of doing what I'm doing, is one of the most important messages that I will ever deliver. I've put my neck out there, I think, a little bit, but uh, I feel so strongly about this that because I believe there are consequences for our souls, I believe there are consequences for our families, I believe there are consequences for our future, and Psalm 16 is essentially the anti-fear of missing out psalm. 
And Forrest this morning, he's up for re-election, and I'm going to bring him up here, and Michelle Walters was there this morning as well, reading, uh, sorry, bring us to communion. She's up for re-election, I'm up for re-election, and also Ben Fair. And I do want you to know, for what it's worth, that uh, I'm fully, and the elders are fully behind all three Four, three people, uh, three people in regards to this election for Hope Partners come uh, in August. And so, Ben Towns, where are you? Come on up and uh, read to us this psalm. Check this out. This is Psalm chapter 16 from the NIV. Thanks, Ben. Thanks, Steve. So, Psalm 16, it starts as a miktam of David, so King David. Keep me safe, my God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. Apart from you, I have no good thing. I say to the holy people who are in the land, they are the noble ones in whom is all my delight. Those who run after other gods will suffer more and more. I will not pour out libations of blood to the such gods or take up their names on my lips. Lord, you alone are my portion and my cup. You make my lot secure. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. I will praise the Lord who counsels me. Even at night, my heart instructs me. I keep my eyes always on the Lord. With him at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest secure. Because you will not abandon me in the realm of the dead, nor will you let your faithful one see decay. You make known to me the path of life. You will be, sorry, you will fill me with joy in your presence, the eternal pleasures at your right hand. May God add his blessing to that reading this morning. Now, with that in mind, with that psalm in mind, let's take it apart a little bit. Three major sections this morning. But just just before we do, let's talk about the fear of missing out, FOMO. FOMO, what is the fear of missing out? First thing I want to say is this, that it has always existed. Some people have felt this more than others, uh, depending on your personality type. Uh, This is not a new thing, but as culture has changed, technology has given us the ability to see what everyone else is doing. We no no longer need to wonder what others are doing. We can actually see it, and social media in many ways has heightened our fear of missing out. We no need to wonder what we are missing out on. For example, beautiful meals, restaurants, The fun people are having, romantic date nights or lunches, holidays, the beach and the sun. All Tasmanian said, amen. (laughs) The sights of the world where people are traveling from and to, the milestone celebrations. This is the fear of missing out. Social media can wake up our discontentedness. But I'm asking the question this morning to you, is it about social media or isn't it about being the kinds of people who live with that deep sense of contentedness? Isn't it about trusting that we aren't missing out at all? Isn't it about trusting in a deep way 
that God made us on purpose and for a purpose. He knows our names. The psalmist says that he is intimately acquainted with all of our ways. He has drawn out a path of life for each one of us that is exactly right. And that should be celebrated day in and day out. Let's just be honest for a moment. Let's take those Sunday masks off. Because if you're anything like me, you want to be in 10 places at once. You want to try, you want to experience, you want to taste it all at the very same time. I want to be with my family having some fun, whilst being out at a restaurant with friends eating great food, whilst traveling the world, whilst watching football in Queensland in the sun. I feel better now. Sandy at the front here says, get over it. (sighs) (laughs) Let's go to a deeper level just for a moment if we could. Because at a deeper level, if you think about this, it's easy to look on at other people's lives and think that they've all got it together. It's easier to be them, that their lives are humming along perfectly, that we want to know what they're having for dinner. And in fact, we want what they are having for dinner. And if we are really honest, we want to be living their life at a deeper level, if we're honest, sometimes. (laughs) So today, we're going to talk about the things we think that we're missing out on. Three primary areas, and that's experiences, it's um, uh, material possessions, and identities, our identities. You see, the fear of missing out is polar opposite to contentment, and that's That's the message today. This is a message about how content are we in life really? Psalm 16 is at its core a compelling vision for a life of contentment. And so three sections of the psalm that I want to draw out to us this morning that we're really going to bring focus on. That's verse 2. We're going to start in verse 2. That's our starting point because that's the foundation, that we live from a place of contentment. Verse 5 to 6 goes on. It's a reminder of what contentment looks like. Once again, if you might have your Bibles there, we'll bring them up on the screen just in a moment. And verse 11, we're going to land it this morning on verse 11, which is the promise that there is a path of life for you and I that is laid out by a loving God and that he has a commitment to us. And that's where true life is found, along that path for us. So let's pick it up in verse 2. This is the foundation. Verse 2, it says this. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. Apart from you, I have no good thing. Now, as I said, this is where contentment starts. That there is a God and that I am not him. If you can start in that place, You can walk along the pathway of life with contentment that you are my Lord and apart from you, I have no good thing. That we have a God that is sovereign, that he is in control, that he is a good, good father and he takes hold of the past, our present and our future. You look at somebody like Lee and John who were baptized there this morning. They didn't fully know, maybe, realize that God was at work in their life. And he will not give up on us. And maybe this morning you sit here 
We're scratching your head, trying to figure it out. Can I just say to you, if you're here for the first time this morning, we have people here each and every Sunday who are here the first time. You know what? Those people who return for the second, third, and fourth time, you actually start to see what happened in Lee and Alicia's lives. You start to see them becoming spiritually fit. Let me just explain what I mean by that. You go to the gym once, you will not increase your physical fitness by going once. You come to an environment like this, a gathering like this, a community like this, and you want to grow spiritually. And what that means for you, and I've got these questions, and that's fine. We certainly welcome and are open to questions. But we do have a God who does hold it all together. He holds our past, our present, and our future. And this means the good things, the good things that I experience in life are with him, in him, and are from him. You see, the things we think we want and that will make us happy will never compare us to the good things that God wants to give to us. You see, the God who made us and loves us has a really different vision for what contentment looks like. And so that's where we've got to start from. If you cannot start from there, I honestly don't know where you're going to start from. But maybe let's try to start there for a moment, that we understand that there is a God, and he does have good things in mind for you and I. So that's the start. Let's just go, go ahead just to, into the middle of this, this um, uh, psalm. Let's go to verse 5 and 6, because verse 5 and 6 just takes us a little further. It says this, Lord, you alone are my portion and my cup. You make my lot secure. The boundary lines, can everyone say those two words for me? The boundary lines, we'll take that apart just in a moment, but the boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. I love this passage. You see, there is a cup and there is a portion and boundary lines that God's made for each of us. You see, true acceptance comes and only comes when we accept that these gifts are for our own lives, that we have a good God filled with good things for our lives, a cup, a portion, and boundary lines for us. So I want to ask you, when talking about boundary lines, are these the words that naturally come out of our way, out of our mouths when we are struggling with the fear of missing out? When we see what everyone else is doing, when we see someone else's career or business or studies taking off, when everyone else is doing fun stuff and I'm not, do we think that our boundary lines have fallen in pleasant places? Because I believe your honest response to this question and to these verses, by the way, are sort of that warning indicator those lights that come on your car sometimes, you kind of go, oh, what's that about? Well, these, these verses are those warning indicators. Maybe that's a warning that a lack of contentment is working its way through your life and the fear of missing out is actually starting to take over. So what if it is, Steve? What if it is? Well, I'm just simply encouraging you here this morning through God's word, through the power of the Holy Spirit, to spend time in these verses and allow his path of life to lead you to great joy. Well, what if I hate the cup that I've been served? New cup, please. 
What if I don't like what I've been dealt? Yes, well, there are certainly seasons in our lives where we struggle with those boundary lines. For some of us, some seasons we feel stuck or we feel stretched or it's too big or it's too much or it's too little. But when I'm living deeply and only when I'm living deeply in verse 2, that you are the Lord and I'm not. That you are the Lord, and apart from you, there is no good thing. That's when verse 5 and 6 are words of great joy and great promise that you are my portion and you are my cup, and those boundary lines have fallen, uh, fallen for me in pleasant places, it says. You see, when you begin to love the boundary lines that God has placed on your life, you start to open yourself to experience true joy, true freedom, and true contentment. Let me just bring this into landing, if I could, just these next few moments, if you could hang in there, because I, just quickly, if I could, there are three primary ways we tend to feel the fear of missing out. Firstly, it's this. It's inexperiences. It's experiences. If you think about that for a moment, you see, when everyone else is having those peak experiences while I'm at home mowing the lawns or doing the laundry or vacuuming or sitting on the couch watching nothing or I have to work. You see, if you let the fear of missing out drive your life, you will miss out on the actual life that God is inviting you into, the pathway of life that has boundaries. Well, how? How do I? How do I get through that? How do I get over that? How do I enjoy that? I want to say once again from these verses, and it's this, to practice deeply the present, being deeply present to the life that's right in front of each of us, because there will always be more joy in your life if you are present to what is than if you live with your face pressed up against the glass of somebody else's life. The system's rigged, exposed. When it comes to contentment or discontentment, it awakens us, the discontentment in our lives. It's rigged in such a way that the best and most important place to be is the place that you are actually are. So practice being where you are and only where you are and trusting that your cup and your portion and your boundary lines are enough. That's the first area that we feel the fear of missing out. The second area is where we experience the fear of missing out. We focus on material possessions and finances. Once again, the system's rigged. You think about it. There are whole industries out there who are very dedicated to connecting our deep desires to stuff. If your lack of contentment focuses mostly on your desire for material possessions, what you're going to buy next, you will find yourself on this treadmill that will never slow down. And you'll never find that happiness that you are looking for. And your deep desires aren't wrong, by the way. They're just misinformed. And sometimes even Oprah is misinformed. But they will not be filled with things, our deep desires. Verse 2 Remember what it says? Apart from you, Lord, I have no good thing. 
I have no good thing. You see, the good things that bring us true joy, that fill our lives and enlarge our hearts, is not the things that you can buy money with. Practicing contentment means walking purposely away from the things that never satisfy. Because the good things, the good things that will fill your deepest, deepest desire, Psalm 16 clearly says, are from God, in God, and with God. If you're a parent, how many parents have we got here? You're a parent. Wonderful, wonderful thing, isn't it? If you're a parent here this morning, you will know that some of parenting, some of the heartache of parenting sometimes is helping our children learn to be happy even when they don't get everything that they want. And what do we do? How do we go about that? We put healthy limitations on them, limiting their time, sorry, limiting their sugar intake, limiting their junk food, limiting their screen time, limiting their toys. And Psalm 16 is a prayer that says over and over that, God, I believe that you are enough and that you have given me enough. So I want to ask you the question this morning. How is your contentment level when it comes to material possessions? And the final part is in verse 11. This is the promise. This is the promise. And it says this. You make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. Third thing is this, that there is a path of life for each one of us, yet some of us have a longing to live someone else's path of life. It's where the fear of missing out really is a big thing. I want to be prettier. I want to be like her. I want to be buff like him. I want to be less complicated. I want to be smarter. I want to be less anxious, less fearful. I want to be tougher. You see, there's a profound joy that comes when you begin to love your life instead of a longing for somebody else's life because being yourself is so much better than being a poor imitation of someone else. When it comes to the fear of missing out, you will miss out on your own life, this grand adventure that's been created just for you by a God who loves and gives, who is a good, good father. And if you spend all your time trying to imitate someone else, you will miss out on that grand adventure. You see, contentment cannot happen unless you do two things, unless you deal and decide. What I mean by that is this. It's to deal with the fear of missing out and to decide to be yourself. Because what we actually do, if you go back to Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, when God was creating the world, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. We actually dishonor what he has created. If we do not accept who he's truly created you and I to be, we declare it is not good enough creator God. Let me just bring it to a summary. If I can just summarize just for a moment and I'm done goes like this. Summary of Psalm chapter 16. It's about two ways of living. And it's this. The first way of living is to drink deeply from the cup that you have been given by a God who loves you. The second thing is this. You will struggle against what you think you should have, what you're afraid you're missing out on, or who you think you would rather be. 
I invite the team to come and lead us in our final song this morning. As they come, I want to say this to finish off with. There are two steps to a fear of missing out, freeness of life, of contentment, and it's this. Be where you are and be who you are. Be where you are and be who you are. It's as simple as that. But how hard is it in the world in which you and I live because of technology they're in it many hours and it's taking away as I said from last week to be still and know that he is good and he's God to drink deeply from the cup because the cup that God assigned to you is your cup between he and you and to be that people who are content on a deep soul level And with that great courage and with that great honesty, be who you are and be where you are. The cup, the portion, the boundary lines and the path of life. You are right where you are supposed to be in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen and amen. Let me pray for you. Let me pray. Just in these moments as we we bow as we reflect, as we think, what this psalm is saying to us. Because I want to ask you a couple of questions as we just reflect. And I want you to think seriously about this. The first question I want to ask is in regards to your boundary lines. Are you the kind of person, are you the kind of person who tries to extend your boundary lines without knowing it maybe? Do you have your fist in the hands of a, in the face of a holy God? Is that how you've been living most of your life? Where maybe today you come to that place where Lee and John have decided to take their lives and their families and just surrender once and for all. Maybe you haven't received that sense that he is a good father and all he has in mind for you is good things. That he has this path of life for you, that assignment in this world. Could you ask him right now, what is it? Have you learned the secret of contentment or are you chasing experiences? Are you chasing materialism? Or are you chasing somebody else's life? Just be honest before him just for the moment. Another psalm says, To taste and see that the Lord is good. Maybe this morning you've had a taste. what I want us to do 
to finish up this two-week series, and it's this, to place our digital lives before the Lord right now. And a way of doing that is just to, and certainly no one is pressured to do anything here, but maybe a good way of doing that is just to put your hands just in front of you and just pray this prayer with me, only if you mean it and if you're serious. Under the Lordship of Jesus Christ, we place our digital lives before him. We surrender our own lives before our God. We may have never have done that before. And Father, would you give the good things to those who honour you? And that we would protect ourselves. Be the Lord, we pray, of our online lives. Do that with us, for us, and through us. And may your kingdom come and your will be done on the internet as it is in heaven. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.